0: Hello and welcome to part three of three in our Faulkner series this April for April in Paris. Brianna Poston, as always, did join me for a discussion of Sound and the Fury and other relevant texts. If you haven't listened to the first two parts of the series, both published this month in April, I'd highly recommend it. Both of them are linked in the description down below. and welcome back to Didion Hawthorne Hawthorne, The In-Between. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz, and you're listening to my podcast about the relevancy of literature in the 21st century. Now bookmark that book and let's begin. What was your favorite section? I feel like we debated about that a little Ooh. bit. I think my favorite is the Faulkner Jealousy section because it's such a nice bow and I really love his prose at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is a beautiful writer when he writes from his own voice. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's almost like religious, the way he writes. It reminds me of the end of like a Brahms symphony. Like, I don't know, I have synesthesia, yeah. Colors with music.
1: I like the fact that not even, it wasn't really like defined whether, like whose voice the last section was.
0: hmm Yeah, I remember I read it for the first time before, like I read it junior year. Like way before I read it in senior year and I got to the fourth section and there was like it took me so long because I wasn't using any alternative sources or secondary sources so yeah it was such a goodie to like figure out that it was a third person omniscient with Dilsey as a center and Dilsey's such a central character to all of the narratives so it was cool that like yeah, she, she doesn't get her own voice necessarily, but you do hear her thoughts and stuff like that, so it's cool uh. yeah, and I also thought that um,
1: I think one of the issues that kind of popped up whenever I was teaching this book is that um, everyone expected the last section to be the sister mm, yeah caddy and I think that, I don't know I think that people were a little disappointed that I wasn't
0: But at the same time, like, imagine if it was Caddy, then it would be... It would end on this sort of vicious cycle. Like, I remember... i read The Handmaid's Tale quite a few times in the last year, because it's the Northwestern book this year. Oh, goodness. But um, in a certain sense, I've come to the conclusion that it ends at a state of dystopia, as opposed to having a resolution. And while that strengthens the message at, to a certain extent, like...
1: I think it's like the message that we talked about within the yeah. Shakespeare quote. Mm-hmm, yeah. That like, there's not really any such thing as a resolution.
0: Yeah, and I know, I think part of it is like, how do you approach the author's credibility if there is no feasible resolution? And I think Faulkner does it really well. Like, he doesn't end with a question, he ends with a statement. Um, But at the same time, there are things that the reader has to figure out, like, concurrently. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I also like that Caddy doesn't really, Caddy doesn't have her own section because I think that she's very outspoken in the other sections. That's true. Not that I can say I 100% understand Caddy, but I think that if the sections were to focus on different... Like representations of mental dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Caddy would be a very like appropriate think, yeah. illustration of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And she's such a central character. Like I'm, sh- I'm, I'd say that she's a main character. Like even though we don't get oh, a yeah. section from her, so it's not that. Like you said, it's not that anything's lacking in terms of Caddy descriptions. <laughs> hmm.
1: And uh, if you want to add some diversity
0: to your reading.
1: Um, actually, my last semester at the U of A was the first time I read from authors who were not white or male.
0: Wow. And I
1: had to take a special class for it.
0: Wow. Yep. Nice. Uh, so wow. I read
1: Yo! by Julia Alvarez, um, who I thought has kind of like a similar style to William Faulkner, maybe not so mm-hmm. quite so complex, but um, it's about... Yo specifically is about um, like family dynamics and family Mm. dysfunctions and I was like hey almost everything William Faulkner ever wrote.
0: (laughs) Well, also that book Beloved isn't that similar too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh.
1: Um, Well, Toni Morrison was actually um, inspired by William Faulkner a lot.
0: Mm. And she won the Nobel as well Mm -hmm. in 1993 or six.
1: And actually, in a lot of um, like high school curriculum. Uh, professors will switch off The Sound and the Fury and Beloved, Mm -hmm. because the books are so similar and the writing styles are so similar, Mm -hmm. um, that when English teachers get tired of teaching Sound and the Fury, they just switch to Beloved.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and Beloved, I haven't read it myself, but it it does center on a lot of the same themes. And I think Mm -hmm. Toni Morrison has, like, digressed a lot from that original um, style of hers. Like, she has a new book coming out this year, in 2019. forget what it's called, but yeah, it's it just kind of shows you how much he's progressed in a way, away from that like stream of consciousness, like familial-based style.
1: Oh yeah, the uh, Beloved is pretty much entirely stream of conscious, and especially because it's like a mix of a ghost story, mm-hmm. it kind of plays into that, uh, like elusiveness a little bit more.
0: Mm. Hmm. Well, do you have any last comments about the Sound of the Fury? <laughs> What makes it relevant for modern readers?
1: Um, I think that, like, how we talked about how influential, um, like, William Shakespeare is Mm. probably one of the oldest known authors and playwrights. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: I think that, like, everything builds off of each other. And I think I talked a little bit, too, about how like finding relatable characteristics within the characters of the book Mm -hmm. Um, I think that mental dysfunction is kind of like a prime issue right now that a lot of people are struggling with and don't really know how to deal with it and I think that William Faulkner kind of shows that you have some
0: outlets Mm -hmm. definitely wow thank you so much for coming on my show my pleasure As I mentioned previously, this is the last part three of three of the Faulkner series that we uncovered this month in April for April in Paris. Last week, we did an episode on Taming of the Shrew, the first in our poetry series, which will probably extend for the entire year, if not further than that. And next week is a mystery episode, so I will see y'all next Monday, and we will find out together what we're talking about. If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to hear more from me, there is an episode of DHI for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our back catalog of episodes. 2019 is the year of Didion, so if you'd like to follow along in my quest to read Joan Didion's collective works or learn more about the movement to bring lit back to people, everything can be found at didionandhawthorne.blueberry.net, and remember that blueberry is spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Now you can also follow the show on Twitter with at two N's total. I'll be posting about new lit releases, reading lists, and of course the new projects and episodes relating to DH&I. Still there? One more thing then. Remember that leaving a comment or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other Guilty Pleasure podcast platform helps leverage the show so that other literature enthusiasts can find the community. In other words, it helps a ton. I'll feed a